and welcome to Ruth Bears Witness, the podcast where you can listen to the stories I've written in my blog post. Thank you for joining me today for my blog post entitled To Hell and Back, Surviving the Dangers of Pandas, from my series To Hell and Back, Our Pandas Journey. With my daughter's permission, I've written this story, except it's not a story. It's the naked truth of how pandas endangers caregivers and their families. I've embellished nothing. At the time of this incident, Layla had not been diagnosed with pandas, but she had been suffering from it for five years. To be clear, Layla is not responsible for what transpired. Layla's panda symptoms resembled violent psychosis, schizophrenia, delusional thinking, OCD, suicidal ideation, and tics, but none of these symptoms are Layla. Her loving, sweet self was trapped beneath the horror of all these things when she was healed with IVIG treatment seven months ago. See how much is a life worth the cost of pandas treatment for that part of the story. And now, she's free. It was the autumn of eighth grade. Layla's psychiatric symptoms incorporated a lethal combination of suicidal ideation, paranoia, and violence, and it had reached a boiling point every single day. We couldn't understand why all the medications the psychiatrist had prescribed weren't working or seemed to be making things worse. On this particular day, and other versions of the following scenario played out every day, sometimes several times. Layla screamed cussed me out when I told her she couldn't have a bowl of chocolate ice cream. Then she threw her furniture across her room when I said she couldn't go to a sleepover with friends after behaving like that. She lunged at her dad who'd come into her room to try to calm her down, which never actually worked, and she was tearing fistfuls of her own hair out of her head. So it took both her parents to try to tackle her to the floor as gently as we possibly could to stop her from hurting us by clawing, biting, and hitting, and herself. She swore that I was Satan and called me multitudes of other vile expletives and screamed that she wanted to die. She'd planned out exactly how she would kill herself. All the while, my mother was visiting and my other two children were playing downstairs. But this time she was threatening suicide, so we had no choice but to get psychiatric help. Thankfully, Mom took care of my younger children as we ushered Layla to the hospital's emergency department to try to get her into acute inpatient psychiatric treatment. We didn't know what else to do. We got her there, told the emergency department social worker the entire story and plenty of background information holding nothing back so she would know that we had to physically restrain her for everyone's safety. It left us cut, bruised, and terrified, but not a scratch on Layla. We waited about two days in the ED for an inpatient bed to open up with surveillance cameras and staff watching every movement. We finally got her checked into a bed in the hospital's adolescent psychiatric unit at about 1 a.m. I sat through the intake process, which lasted about an hour, and then I walked the streets to my car in the middle of the night in a deluge of relief and fear. 
we are only allowed to visit for one hour at noon on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So I went to see her about two days later. I checked my belongings into a locker and I was frisked before entering the facility through two sets of locked doors. And when I sat with her in the visiting room, I noticed that a nurse was practically sitting on top of us as Layla and I tried to make sad small talk. The nurse's close proximity to us in a room full of family visitors felt very strange, but I tried to shake it off. Soon enough, the visit ended and I gathered my things and headed to my car. I began checking my voicemail. To my horror, the kind that makes your heart race in your ears, your stomach drop and your skin turn hot and cold at the same time, I found myself listening to a woman who was calling on behalf of our state's child protective services. While the nurse was staring me down during my visit with Layla, this investigator was sitting in front of my house, waiting to talk to me about allegations of child abuse. It turns out that Layla had gone into another psychotic paranoid episode. She didn't get violent in front of the doctors, but apparently sounded very reasonable and told the psych unit's social worker that we had held her down and were punching her in the face before we brought her in. The social worker reported us to Children's Administration without thinking about the fact that Layla didn't have a scratch or bruise on her and we'd already explained everything completely. I cannot begin to describe the humiliation, the fear and trauma of the whole situation. It was a double-layered nightmare and no way to wake up from it. Even before this day had come, we constantly lived in fear that if we called the police for help, they wouldn't believe us and would walk and we would walk away in handcuffs because she constantly accused us of ghastly things we had never said and never done. She believed these intermittent paranoid delusions wholeheartedly. We lived through it all in panicked silence and constant fear. To this day, I have a small panic attack when I see someone I don't know sitting in a car outside my house. Not because I have anything to hide, but because I know how easy it is to be wrongfully accused. I thank God that when we finally met with the Children's Administration investigator, she was incredibly understanding and reassured us that when she had interviewed Layla, my daughter was horrified to realize what she had done and explained that we had never hurt her. Layla knew she was causing the violence, but didn't know why she did these things and couldn't stop herself. After hearing our story and all we had been through, the investigator told us that these allegations against us were completely unfounded and she could see that we had been doing everything we could to help our extremely troubled daughter. Had this investigator chosen not to believe us, or if Lila's psychosis had fired up again during their interview, my family could have been broken up then and there, my own children placed into the foster care system. But by the grace of God, that is not our story. But it so easily could have been. Pandas is so dangerous when it isn't diagnosed and treated properly. It is truly a fate worse than death for the suffering child. I do not say that flippantly. 
the torment is so excruciatingly intense. Furthermore, caregivers are at a huge risk for injury or for allegations of abuse or worse. But families do not have to live in this endless state of crisis. These are unnecessary tragedies given that this illness can be successfully treated and symptoms begin to disappear almost immediately. But it is rarely diagnosed. And tonight, there are good kids from loving families just like Layla, sitting in juvie or on the streets, inside hospitals or morgues with no relief from their endless needless suffering. I will not stand by idly knowing that other families need rescue from their pandas living hell. To read or to listen to more Ruth Bear's Witness stories, please visit ruthbearswitness.wordpress.com. Thanks for joining me today. Take care and God bless.